Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew every week on the Daily Roto Hour during the NFL season, where we go through every game on the main slate for NFL Daily Fantasy on FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, coming off not a great week for myself. You know, I love that Tampa Bay Green Bay game. Uh, the Packers really just decided that they they didn't want to try. It, it really was quite a tough scene. For them, but just my my first thoughts looking through this slate is everything looks great. Like I I have I have plays I love at every position. Um, a couple games I love. Like I'm I'm feeling much I'm feeling in a much better headspace for this game than I was last week, Colin. Yeah, yeah, you were struggling going into last week too. So it was almost like you wrote the story about your week before it even happened. Um, I mean, it was a pretty interesting week, and a lot of the big games did end up shooting out. Obviously, the game that you were highest on didn't. Um, but then you also had. I mean, basically a coin flip at the running back position between Madison and Derrick Henry and Henry just smashed with a pure ceiling game and Madison hit like the stone floor. So that obviously swung a ton of stuff as well. Um, I feel like I've been close a couple times this week. I was on the Vikings double stack with a, a Ridley bring back the Vikings double stack with a Julio bring back had both those lineups with the big dog, but I still wasn't able to get it done. I spotted like 17 points at defense and that's never going to work out well for you. Yeah, uh, I mean, I liked that game a little bit. I don't, I don't think I did it enough. I had um, a game stack with Matt Ryan and Justin Jefferson, but I used Herb Smith Jr. as the double bring back, and he got like six points, which with every punt tight end going off last week was just not going to be enough. But forward-thinking show, we are here to uh, to pick some winners for this upcoming week. And yeah, I mean, I do. I think there are loads of great game environments pretty much uh, up and down. Like, I think there are... I really don't see very many games with a true stinker potential. So we're going to go ahead and start with Carolina. Um, this game is at New Orleans, so it is going to be Drew Brees playing against the Carolina Panthers at home. Our projections were a little higher than I thought they would be on Drew Brees, but they love Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. How are you feeling about the Saints bring back options here? Yeah, I mean, the, the Saints set up uh, Michael Thomas back. I think the first thing I noticed was if he is back and fully utilized, which he should be because he was healthy enough to play last week, but they benched him for a coach's decision, that he does feel underpriced at 7,600 for like a peak Michael Thomas performance. The Saints have definitely been more run heavy to start this year. They were even maybe more run heavy than optically. Um, people thought they were last year, but uh, Michael Thomas was kind of the thing that jumped out at me first, especially given the Saints team total and what we know peak Michael Thomas can do. That was um, that was my reaction as well. Just kind of looking through our first blush of projections, you know, things can certainly change a little bit. But, you know, he is priced less than Devontae Adams, 
priced less than DeAndre Hopkins, you know, basically in that same range with Julio and Ridley and Metcalf. And I think he's probably a little bit better than that. And also we saw an interesting switch with the Panthers last week where DJ Moore finally was looking like DJ Morgan. He out-targeted Robbie Anderson 11 to 5. Robbie Anderson is priced more expensive than DJ Moore on FanDuel and on DraftKings. I'm wondering though, like how sharp and efficient has DFS ownership gotten? Like is is that going to mostly get ignored and we are just going to go back to, you know, Robbie being more owned and more productive this week? Yeah, I, I think probably. Um, I don't think people are chasing one week of box scores these days. You know, they, they probably shouldn't, but maybe in the past it was something people would react heavily to. So I do think Robbie will be a little bit more popular than DJ Moore, but I, I think that the pricing dynamics, I guess, might keep that. They've been like similarly rostered the past few weeks, and I think with the current pricing di- dynamics, I could see that the case again. More just a, a hair $400 more expensive on DraftKings. Um, and then Mike Davis, I think, was one of the other guys that seemed like he actually got a price decline from the previous week as well. And so I thought that was one of the interesting takeaways. Not a lot of usage change. Um, I guess the Panthers team total, perhaps a, a hair lower this week. But Mike Davis, I think, squarely in play. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to get your take on was just how much you think Kamara loses some of his passing game work with Michael Thomas back or if they'll kind of um, continue to keep him up. Like he was clipping near 30% some of those games. I would imagine it takes back closer to what we saw last season. Yeah, I I am not that worried about it because I think that the uptick in Kamara target share is not only related to Michael Thomas being out. I think it's also related to, and I know Emmanuel Sanders had a really solid game in the last Saints game, but I think that he is probably not maybe exactly what the Saints were expecting, but also... Drew Brees just can't push the ball down the field anymore, right? Like, I know he had the touchdown pass to Jared Kirk, uh, or to Jared Cook in, uh, in on, on Monday Night Football, but I basically think that those, like, screen passes and the, the little four-yard swing routes for Alvin Kamara, like, I think those are an intractable part of the Saints' offense. I don't see them going anywhere. What I, what I think is interesting, though, is do these quarterbacks, do Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Brees, make your player pool for single entry and three max trying to stack these games? Or do you just use the one-off pieces from this game as opposed to jamming in Teddy and Breeze? Yeah, I was thinking more the one-off piece. I I was curious what you were going to say there too. Um, Breeze, I mean, 6K, I guess you can fit in the double stack with Breeze and Kamara. So I'd possibly do it there, but I don't think I'd be double stacking Teddy. And I think for the most part, um, you would have to hope that like Thomas and Kamara are able to carry Breeze across the finish line, which is definitely possible. So uh, not a core double stack. Yeah, I think actually kind of an interesting thing to do would be to play Cam Newton and then use him in the Breeze Teddy spot and then stack the game around him just under the like under the thought that Cam Newton can rush enough and be effective enough to score, you know, 25 plus fantasy points where Breeze and Teddy are no locks to get there, but play Alvin Kamara, play Robbie Anderson, and like kind of game stack, but with Cam at quarterback. It's just, it's an idea I have been playing with in terms of, uh, you know, how these correlations end up working in the larger field. Now moving to what uh, I think most people expect to be the game of the week, the Green Bay Packers playing at the Houston Texans. Uh, You know, obviously Deshaun Watson is projected incredibly high. Aaron Rodgers is projected incredibly high. We have Will Fuller. We have Brandon Cooks. We have Aaron Jones. We have David Johnson. Where where are you at with this game right now, Colin? Yeah, I, I'm surprised you find this as like the go-to game of the week. I thought for sure you'd be digging Kyler and Russ, but this is certainly one of the marquee matchups. And I, I think 
my hesitation on the Texan side is just I, the double sacks. They have been getting there, but the target tree has been pretty diverse for Watson. And um, I guess I'm a little bit more concerned that there's not quite as much concentration in the offense as we typically look for out of one of the top quarterbacks. I think Watson's price is still pretty reasonable. Um, but I guess that was kind of the one pause on the side of the Texans is just whether or not we're going to see a more heavy market share of targets condensed in Fuller and Cooks or whether or not they're still going to be kind of relying on those big plays to connect. So a little bit of a pause there. Um, on the Green Bay side, I do think it's, I mean, obviously a great environment for them to bounce back this week. I think that you're not looking to deviate too far out of the core options. Devonta Adams, Aaron Jones, going to take up like the lion's share of the targets in the end zone or the rush attempts in the red zone. And so I think those are kind of the central pieces as far as one-offs. And then if you are looking to stack Rogers, you can do it with, with two of those guys. And then you can mix in either Robert Tanyan or MVS um, into those games. And I guess I would prefer to stack the Packers side of things than I would the Texans side. Yeah. Uh, so I actually would prefer to stack the Texans side. Cause I think that Deshaun Watson isn't fraudulent. And I, I think that, Darren Fells, the story's been nice or whatever thus far, but like I expect him to turn back into a pumpkin. He's been in the NFL for eight years. Last week was only the second time he ever had more than six targets in a game. So I think that Cooks and Fuller are just mostly are going to account for a lot of the fantasy production moving forward in that Houston Texans offense. But what you said is true. I like the Seattle Arizona game far better, and we're going to talk about that one later. But I just got done doing the swole cast with uh, my buddies and all universally all three of them were were in on that game and also a quick look around ownership projections early on throughout the daily fantasy industry suggests that this green bay houston game is going to be more popular than i had anticipated which i i think is great because that means that it's going to be a little bit easier to get leverage with the seattle arizona stacks yeah yeah, I guess his last comment, if you are going to play Rodgers, I mean, I think his price is probably prohibitive this week with a lot of other good options to pay up for, especially at wide receiver. But I do think you have to double stack him because he is very, very pass heavy at this point in his career. And I don't think that Tanya and MVS will be overly popular. So they would be ways to differentiate off of like the generic uh, Rodgers Adams stack. Yeah, I, I think all of that definitely does make sense. Are you are you looking at Aaron Jones as a very strong leverage play against some of these stacks in this game? You know, if you just use Aaron Jones as a one-off, I think you're getting very good leverage on the Watson and the Rodgers stacks. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he'll probably profile as a great play um, regardless. And I don't know with the other top wide receivers if Adams' will, ownership will get as carried away as it has a couple of the slates this week. But and Jones is one of the heaviest targeted players for the Packers in the red zone, in addition to all the goal line work. So uh, definitely a great game environment for him. And we have seen the slate breaking potential from him this year. Yeah. Um, so I, I think don't forget about Aaron Jones while you are making your lineups this week. Next up, we have Buffalo at the New York Jets. And I think that I have maybe a, a controversial take on this game. Like someone's going to yell at me for this for sure. But Josh Allen, he he just exists to beat up on bad teams, right? We saw him start out the year crushing bad teams. They play the Titans. They play the Chiefs. They get ran out of the stadium. Josh Allen looks terrible. You know, I think he had uh, like 26 combined fantasy points over the last two weeks for the Bills. Now they get to play the Jets. They're going to be playing with the lead. You know, it doesn't matter if he if he throws some incomplete passes. Doesn't even matter if he throws an interception. There's going to be no pressure. I think that I think that Josh Allen, Steph Diggs. John Brown, uh, even Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I think all of these guys are like crazily low owned options for a team that has a almost a 30 point team total could even rise from that point. And 
I mean, even Josh Allen naked, like I like he is only he's seventy seven hundred. My guess is our ownership projection for him on Sunday morning will be like four percent, maybe. Yeah. yeah, so low. And I mean, he could get forty here very easily. I think. Yeah, I mean, forty easily is always a tough one, but it's definitely within the realm of possibilities. Um, I guess the the hesitation is, well. Often my hesitation with Allen is whether or not you can double stack him or single stack him. It's less so that this week. And he has seemed like more of a double stack quarterback this year than he has a single stack. But I mean, the price, like you're, I mean, almost 8K. Like you were very rarely, even during Lamar's kind of epic run last year, you were very rarely getting the huge performances out of him priced at that and having it pay off in tournaments. And so I guess that's a little bit of the hesitation is um, whether or not he'll bring enough people along for the ride to make it profitable um i think Diggs is going to be overlooked as well you talked about potentially allen might be like two to four percent rostered and i think that Diggs will kind of hover around ten percent perhaps dipping into the the single digits and so i guess my initial take was definitely this game might be a little bit overlooked relative to other spots um but that perhaps Diggs was the way to get exposure to it yeah i i think that is the right way to do it i also think that you can use brashad perryman as a bring back um, like he's a guy who has a track record of some NFL production, you know, has a legit NFL skill set of being able to run deep routes. I mean, maybe the problem is, is that Flacco is just like too terrible, like he's too bad. But I, I think he is a a reasonable bring back. But let's go ahead and move on to this Dallas at Washington football team game. Are we just running Andy Dalton stacks back? Like, are we, are we like, look, it was the first game you know, whatever, the Cardinals' defense is better than expected, which is true. You know, by the data, they've, they've, they've been much better than they were last year. Are we going to go back to Dallas? It's tough, right? I mean, do you know what this line was before the Dak injury with, like, look at headlines? Because I feel like they would have been favored by seven points in this spot, right? And that's a pretty big line shift from what we saw. Um, I guess one of the concerns with Dalvin, it's not so much Dalvin and his weapons. It's the the offensive line and the fact that Washington should have a really strong front four. They should be able to generate a lot of pressure as well. And then the odds makers are telling us that this game will be relatively low scoring. And so if you are going to stack Dalvin, you're paying essentially the same price that you are for Drew Brees. And you're getting exposure to a team with a touchdown less as far as their expected point output and an offense that is a little bit more diverse. It is as talented as New Orleans at the skill positions, probably even more so, but it, because of that, it is diverse between Zeke Elliott, Mari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. And then, like, do we even see Tony Pollard mix in a little bit more with Zeke having the fumbling issues throughout the season, including two in that game against the Cardinals? So I think there are a lot of, I guess, reasons to be concerned, and I, I do expect this will be a game that doesn't end up as a focal point for me to game stack, um, perhaps picking up some one-off pieces from it instead. Um, I actually do want to stack it. And this is why first, I think McLaurin is going to be so chalky. I think he's going to be so owned that he makes very little sense as a one-off. But then also one of the things you have to ask yourself is like, is it even possible for this quarterback to throw like 50 times and complete all these passes to all these guys to make them good enough on a full PPR site? And we already know with Dallas and with the way that team is constituted, like the answer to that question is just yes. And by the way, I think the same thing is true with the Cincinnati Bengals, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit as well. So like if I think that Dallas is going to trail in this game, even if they only score, let's say they score three touchdowns, right? I mean, can they score three touchdowns and complete 39 passes to five different guys? I, I think the answer to that question is yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other question is you're saying if Dallas is going to trail in this game, but like, are you fearful of the Kyle Allen led Washington football team attack? And I know McLaurin's price is pretty reasonable. He's kind of, um, he's, it's all like all the same inputs are there as far as what he was at last year, but the outputs aren't quite there yet. So that's why his price is kind of depressed across the industry. Definitely think he's one of the better values overall on the slate, but should be relatively popular on a slate where you kind of need some value. Um, so I guess that's the concern with is just whether or not Washington's ever going to be able to get to the point that forces Dallas to throw the ball. And um, we'll see what happens. I was also curious if you're buying into Antonio Gibson at all. He's kind of flirting with like the 50, 55 percent of the share of the team's rushing attack and is being involved in the passing game. I, it's a decent game environment for him relative to what the football team has seen of late. So um, do you think you need Gibson or is that just a waste of a running back play on this slate? So we left off talking about Antonio Gibson. I, I think the thing with Gibson is touchdown upside. And I also don't think he has the like 11 catch upside that you like from running backs like that because J.D. McKissick keeps playing like 50 to 60% of his snaps. Like it's very confusing why they're using him this way, but I, d- I don't think he has the total ceiling, even if this game does go off for a lot of points. Like he'd have to score like two long touchdowns probably. Yeah, I think that's fair. He definitely seems like a guy who does get utilized a lot when he's on the field, um, but he's still being kind of held back on the snap percentage. And I think he gets used enough around the goal line that there is some touchdown upside, but there's it's always going to be limited when your team total is 23 and a half anyways. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. I actually think this game has lots of great plays. Um, obviously, Kareem Hunt for the Cleveland Browns going to be one of the most popular running back plays this week. Wouldn't even surprise me if he actually ended up being the most popular running back play. But our projections are also super high on Joe Mixon, which I wasn't really expecting because most of the time they are not. It's not like he has like some crazy uh, market share of the receiving yards or anything like that. It's, it's simply just that he is priced quite low. Yeah. I, I was curious what you felt like early in the week, the pulse was across the industry on hunt because when I opened up the slate, that was the running back play that seemed like the most obvious one, right? This matchup against the Bengals, you've got a team total close to 27 running back. That's going to get 65% of the team's carries, including the most valuable stuff around the goal line and be at least somewhat involved in the passing attack. They're not throwing the ball um, very much this year prefer the more run heavy approach but regardless whether which way it goes cream hunt is kind of game script proof which is always nice as well yeah um are we interested in odell beckham uh jarvis landry austin hooper i i think actually of all these guys the guy i would be most likely to play as a one-off would be hooper who like all of a sudden is leading this offense and targets over the last three games yeah, I mean, the the game, I guess on the Brown side, despite the team total, it does still feel like a game that is like a one-off play, like one Brown at most per roster versus a game that I'm looking to like double stack with Baker. Um, and maybe I'll change when things shift, but there's a lot of good game moments that feel like they could get faster. Um, so I, I'm probably just sticking to one, probably not double stacking. I think just the one-off Browns is probably the way to go. I think Hooper is, is a fine play at the tight end position, usually looking to correlate tight end these days or take a, a stone punt. Not sure if he necessarily fits either of those bills, but as a overall value, I think it's fine. I was actually curious. I thought you were going to go with it was whether or not you'd stack the Bengals side of things because, I mean, they they will play a little bit more pass-happy, and that would be the situation where you could bring it back with a Brown. Um, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they're not priced up, but they're, um, they're not, like, stone cheap either. I think they're kind of in that 5.5K range mid-price, so a really cheap double stack if you did go that way. 
Um, yes. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely want to get T Higgins this week. Um, I think that he has a lot of upside. I mean, the issue with him is he can never score long touchdowns cause he's so slow. Uh, but at 5,300, I, I think that he can have, you know, I think he can get the hundred yard bonus. He already has a two touchdown game this year. Um, and I think that you're going to get absolutely minuscule ownership on uh, ownership on him. So I, I like him, um, quite a bit, uh, yeah. but not, maybe not as like a core player or anything, but certainly like a guy, if I'm going to make 10 teams this Sunday, I will make sure to have him on one. Probably that, that sounds about right. Yeah. And I think on DraftKings, I think that full stack would be like 16 K and probably an average 5% rostered. So it would definitely be a cheap value stack if you wanted to pay up at a bunch of the other roster spots. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and move on to the Pittsburgh at Tennessee Titans game. I have, I have a theory here. This is my galaxy oh, no. theory. It's Juju. So every week, Derrick Henry is like way more owned than he needs to be. Right. He's just like on all these teams and people jam him in. My thought is the type of people that are likely to play Derrick Henry on DraftKings are the type of people to get scared off by the matchup against the Steelers who have crushed opposing running backs this year. And we actually, for once, are going to get a chance to play Derrick Henry with some real leverage on DraftKings. <laughs> I th- I think that is probably right. I think on FanDuel as well, um, even though it's a little bit more touchdown-centric, he'll be usually a little bit more popular environment than he is. Um, but there's a lot of decent spend-up options on this slate, a lot of good game environments, and that wasn't as true last week. So uh, I think those combination of things were what made Henry so popular last week, in addition to the matchup. And in all of those, plus the matchup, we'll keep it down this week. So um, I definitely agree in, in general. I think he's one of our top running back plays. Again, it's it's kind of going to be the same um, across the board. I actually thought you were going to go to Juju in this game because you got to talk no, to us a little I'm bit. Done. What's going I'm on done. with the Steelers right now? Dude, he is... He is Larry Fitzgerald, right? He is the he is the possession wide receiver, run blocker, veteran guy there. Like seriously, that's what he is. That someone, that is that is him. Someone posted in Slack that Chase Claypool's coming down and like stealing his snacks out of his apartment. That was, that was me. Yeah, they yeah. they live in the same apartment building. I mean, that's that's when you know that you've lost your alpha status on the team when when the rookies come ba- down to take your snacks instead of the other way around. It's a tough scene for Juju. Deontay Johnson should be back this week, so it's going to diversify the target tree a little bit. James Washington expected to lose out as far as snap share there a little bit. I would imagine Claypool loses out a tiny bit as well. I think overall that's making the offense a little bit too diverse for my liking from a DFS perspective. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that Deontay Johnson at 4,200, I mean, even as a chalky one-off, I don't have the strength to get away from that i i I want to play him a lot like i just i there's no way there's no way that i won't so i i'm definitely uh i'm definitely interested in that probably like ferkser aj brown i i don't know i think the 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 titan i will play would be big dog yeah and and johnny smith left the game with the ankle injury last week ferkser ended up putting up like tight end one level production coming in in relief he is still close to the minimum price but it's possible johnny will be back this week so waiting on news for that Titans will also get Corey Davis back to the lineup. So it'll be the first game in a while where they've had AJ Brown and Corey Davis active in addition to Adam Humphreys and whoever's there at tight end. So it's a little bit more of a diverse target tree for Tannehill than it has been the previous couple of games. Uh, yeah, I, I, all of that sort of makes sense. I just hate the Tennessee Titans. So I just don't, I, 
whatever i don't know be be go go with god ryan Tannehill. i i can't i can't hold it uh, in my heart against you our next game i also expect this game to be either the second or third most stacked game we have the detroit lions playing at the atlanta falcons we had the falcons who go off last week we have matt stafford we have kenny galladay tj hawkinson hawkinson a little bit more of a fan to a play than a DraftKings play we have ryan ridley julio Julio obviously coming off of the big game. Like, it's just very straightforward. I tried to get you on DeAndre Swift last week, Davis. This podcast, we talked about it, talked about coming out of the bye, how he'd be more involved, and you kind of you kind of brushed me off a little bit. So uh, I got some grudges against you as it relates to the Detroit Lions. Well, I mean, our buddy Peter Overzet, he touted him and then didn't play him. So you were you you guys you guys are sort of in the same boat. I mean, I, I the thing is with with DeAndre Swift is his usage didn't really change at all. He got the huge goal play. line carry, but it was it was it was two huge plays. He had I think a, a 50 yard run and what a 70 yard touchdown or something like that. So it's like yeah, I mean, and that's the type of player he is. You but you're not going to be able to realistically project that stuff. I mean, maybe you can, right? Maybe you maybe you can against uh, the Atlanta Falcons though. Yeah. So I, I mean, he's now priced up at a point where, like you said, the usage didn't change too much. Definitely a big threat. Has been involved in the passing game, but um, now at a point where he's he's got to do a lot more than that to get there. So I actually don't think this game will be overly popular because there are some really good game environments and everyone's priced up a little bit to the point where like Kenny Galladay, you're getting 6.2K last week versus the Jaguars. And this week it's up closer to 7K, 6.7. So um, I think that he'll be less popular than he was last week, maybe closer to 10% versus like the 20-ish. And then same thing with Ridley and Jones. Uh, I, I think it's hard to double stack. So some rosters will include one of the two of them. Um, but I think it's pretty tough to fit them both in there. So um, I'm expecting this game to be, I guess, a little bit less popular as far as game stack. Perhaps a place where people are picking up pieces. Would you prefer Ridley or Jones if you had to just choose one of the two? Um, I would prefer Ridley because I expect that uh, I expect it to swing the other way, right? I I now expect that because the public just saw Julio go off and you know he's healthy and whatever. I I expect that the roster stuff to basically go the exact opposite way, right? Like I like I think that we'll see uh, Jones be twice as owned as Ridley. Yeah, my my galaxy brain take from this was that that will happen in low stakes, but in high stakes, people won't do it. So you should just chase the points and play Julio. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with that. I so this is why I think this does make a really uniquely good game stack. Is if you were going to choose like if okay if Atlanta gets up fourteen zero, they're not going to stop throwing because they have Todd Gurley and they they don't have the ability to move the ball running the ball. And if they get up like Detroit does run far too often when they are in the lead. But I mean, throughout the entire Matt Patricia era, we've seen them just turn into this super pass heavy offense once they get down. So I think you could see like 90 total pass attempts in this game or something crazy. Yeah, there's definitely a scenario where that happens. If I was going to stack the Atlanta side of things, um, like I said, pretty price prohibitive to get both those wide receivers in there. But you can mix in Hayden Hurst at 4,400 as as a tight end. And I do think it's a good way to... Um, <laughs> eliminate the tight end position i almost want to say but correlate the tight end position and uh go with that in the game stack whether it's hawk or hurst yeah i think um i think all of that is is mostly fine i guess so compared detroit atlanta to houston green bay which one would you be more concerned about just like basically tanking and just being a, a disappointing fantasy game overall 
Um, definitely Detroit Atlanta, just because I feel like they've already had like multiple great game scripts where they've tanked individually. Uh, well, including Detroit last week, not that their offense tanked, but the, the stack side of things and like the passing app options there did. So uh, for sure, more concerned about the Detroit Atlanta game and in Todd Gurley, always capable of taking a game if he gets his hands on the ball 16 times. So brutal. Yeah. I mean, it would be what would be very brutal is if Matt Ryan throws for like 380 yards in this game. But, you know, it all ends up uh, with a one yard Todd Gurley touchdowns. No one picking up now with Seattle at Arizona. Um, I, I like when going through our projections this morning, I was like, these guys aren't even projected high enough for me. I think that this game has clearly the best ceiling because all like a majority of Seattle's games this year have gone nuts. They brought the best out of the Minnesota Vikings. They had the crazy game um, against Dallas. And I think that we saw, I think that what we have seen from Arizona is they are much more willing to throw down the field this season than they were last season, which was really the big ingredient missing from their games going nuts. I mean, I think this game could just be absurd for fantasy. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, these guys even brought like a 160 yard game out of Julian Edelman and it's like the yep. corpse of Julian Edelman. So it, I mean, it, it could be incredible for fantasy. And the other thing is just like the huge play potential from both these quarterbacks and their ability to keep plays alive. Like on FanDuel, the prices of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are like borderline criminal because they're just 7.3, 7.4K respectively. I think in that environment, I prefer DK Metcalf between those two. Slight preference to Tyler Lockett in the PPR format on DraftKings. But I mean, both those wide receivers are awesome plays. And I mean, I think double stacking Russ because of how highly correlated that offense is and how narrow the target trees can be, I think is a really strong option. Um, are you mixing in any depth pieces for the Seahawks? Are you mixing in Chris Carson at all, hoping to catch your, like two touchdown vultures or something like that? Would you go down to someone like David Moore at all? Or are you just sticking within that big three trio? I think if I was going to do one depth piece for Seattle, it would be Will Disley because he's the one who's actually inexpensive. Um, he's played 40, 49, 39, 43, and 37% of Seattle snaps this year. And in, in a weird way, the fact that he's played special teams has also made me feel more comfortable about his health. And I'm wondering if coming off of the bye, if they're going to give him a little bit more playing time and give Greg Olson a little bit less playing time, that that's totally, uh, you know, that's not corroborated by anything. But yeah. it's not like, like Greg Olson has not been good, right? Greg Olson, I, I would say, has probably been mostly disappointing as a wide receiver. Uh, he has, I guess, actually, I, I didn't even realize this. He has two separate five catch games, which is shocking to me. So maybe Greg Olson is, is the depth piece that I would that I would go to. I think that if you want depth pieces, though, you look on the Arizona side, you look at Isabella, you look at Kirk, you look at Dan Arnold. Uh, and then, of course, we have to have the Kenyon Drake conversation. He's priced at 4,800, has 170 yards, two touchdowns last week. I mean, but the, the thing about Drake was his usage was literally the exact same. He just scored touchdowns. Yeah, I, it, yeah, the usage was the same, but I mean, he kind of caught the nut game environment, and then he also captured the touchdown variance, and uh, both of those things not expected to happen this week. So, the touchdown variance for sure can still happen. You know, they were going to run a lot of read options at the goal line, and it's either going to go to Kyler or to Drake, and he's going to be the guy there. But uh, I do think it could potentially be the bounce back spot for Chase Edmonds as. 
if they do get behind against Seattle, like what kind of profile a little bit better for the pass catching thing there. So uh, Drake, I think, is is fine if the projections see him as a value. I'm certainly not going to jump off of it for no reason, but I don't think that he's a guy that you have to um, go out to interfere with the projections for. I think his price does like I mean, it's going to put him squarely into for both those guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you will you will get players from this game in your runs using the the opto for sure. I mean, I think where you are going to find yourself in trouble, uh, not in trouble, but like it it is impossible basically to play Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins. Like you're, you you'd have to, you you're having yeah. to make like massive it's not, it's like when the Cowboys were were firing, it was like those guys were like in the 6Ks, but these guys are like 7 and 8K now, so it's just very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um and man, I I guess one of the other questions, Christian Kirk has started to see an uptick in usage. Obviously, as far as like snap count usage from where he was at earlier in the season, obviously had that huge play, which made up the majority of his game log against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, They did miss Andy Isabella on two deep shots that almost had similar results to the Christian Kirk play. So um, I guess Christian Kirk would be the guy that would make a, a cards double stack a little bit more affordable than the Seahawks and the Seahawks. If you were looking for the savings, you you would probably have to go with like one of Metcalf, Lockett, and then like a guy like Disley. So, um, are you going to play Isabella? Hope to capture like those three targets and turn them into a touchdown, or um, are you just going to take a single stack from this game and and look elsewhere for value? Um, I will mostly lean to single stacks, I think, but I will play some Isabella. Like not a lot. Not a ton. I'm not going to go crazy with it, but I do want. I want to have a little bit of exposure to him because he is out there. Actually, I think probably more than than people would realize. I like, like I know thirty percent of the target or snaps. Yeah, like it's it's like it's like he, yeah, thirty one percent in each of their last two games. He has five targets. Like, and the the thing is, is the type of targets Isabella gets, generally speaking, are going to be good high value targets down the field, and you know at his salary one reception for 87 yards and a touchdown is like kind of good enough. So you get, you get one quarterback, you can play Kyler, you can play Russ. Who do you, who do you have and why? Kyler? Cause he's cheaper and you, you, you probably need it. Cause I, cause like, I also think that like Kyler with Metcalf Lockett Kirk is just as good as Russ Lockett Metcalf Kirk, basically. Yep. I agree with you there. And I th- one of the other reasons I was hesitant to play Josh Allen earlier is just because of Kyler and Kyler's running the ball more than any quarterback in the national football league this year. And Russ for sure, he has the running potential, but they're not calling the design runs that Arizona is calling for Kyler. And they're not looking to run him in the red zone as frequently as the cards are too. So I think Kyler um, there makes sense and, and you can single stack him potentially, and then potentially even bring it back with a double stack. Like if you went Kyler Kirk brought it back with, Lock it, Metcalf. That would be one way to game stack this game. Yeah. Um, all right. So next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Los Angeles Chargers. Oof. Things not going great. <laughs> Things not going great for the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's now talk that, uh, well, the the latest quote from the coaches are that they they would not be uh, scared to bench Gardner Minshew. That it, that it is on the table for him to get benched. I literally, it is my job to know this. I don't even know who the backup quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars is. It can't be anyone who's very good. Our numbers actually like Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. I I think actually Justin Jackson is a super interesting play here as a home favorite. He's priced at 4,900. I think you'll see lots and lots of people go back to Kenyon Drake. I really like Justin Jackson as a leverage play on Kenyon Drake. 
Yeah. So uh, what what is Justin Jackson, I guess, just a leverage off the price point or what is the leverage there um, for the Justin Jackson angle? Yeah, he's he is a, just a straight up leverage play on lots of people are going to have that roster combination where they use a running back right there. And Justin Jackson first game back, um, you know, with with uh, no Austin Eckler, 59 percent of the snaps, six targets. 15 carries. I mean, that's, that is an elite yeah. workload. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, not to, not to uh, toot my own horn here so much, but I said that on our waiver wire show here on sports grid, when, when that injury happened, I said, Kelly looked like he was the guy and then basically did everything he could to lose it. Fumbled in two straight games, um, was averaging, uh, like, uh, yeah, he was averaging like three yards per carry at that point and Justin Jackson kind of just Wally pipped him basically. Yeah. The, the other thing that happened for the Jags is they sent their entire offensive line home today for contact tracing for COVID. So tough. that would be a disaster. Uh, well, obviously the COVID in general, it could derail the game, but if you lose a couple of those guys, then it could just be a total disaster. So chargers D I think is a good play regardless. They're priced pretty reasonable and then could be a great play if you wanted to correlate them with the running back, especially if the, Jags end up having offensive line issues like those guys won't be practicing today at a minimum, perhaps not tomorrow till they get the results back. Um, I think both Kelly and Jackson, it wouldn't shock you. I don't think if Kelly ended up leading the team and carries this week, but you could see it kind of going either way. And I think both those guys are priced at that pivot price. Um, do you have any interest in Justin Herbert as far as quarterback in this game? Are there too many good quarterbacks to play? Because, I mean, they do have a pretty narrow target tree if they if they happen to go past heavy key now and was getting 30 percent of the team's targets in the year. Should go down a little bit with Mike Williams there, but um, you know, six point two K for Keenan Allen if he does get that target share is a pretty immense value on a slate where you do need some of it. Um, yeah, I like him. I like him a lot. I think that he is um, a very good play. I think he has his obvious stack options: Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Henry. And I think that the bringbacks are it's Shark, it's Chenault, maybe Keelan Cole. I just keep waiting for this Keelan Cole thing to slow down. Stop, maybe it man. doesn't. So yeah, maybe you include Keelan Cole in there, but I think his bringbacks are really obvious. We need to move real quick to Kansas City at Denver. Chiefs have a team total of 28. Uh, I'm just I'm putting prayers up that Noah Fant is not able to play in this game so that we get to play Alberto. Uh, he played 24 snaps last week, six targets, two targets while in the end zone. He's minimum salary on DraftKings. He makes everything work. If Fant plays, it's going to get real tough out there. Yeah, and it, it does seem like. I, I want to say like Fant and KJ Hamler are trending towards playing. So, uh, I mean, getting a little bit tough. I guess, Albert, oh, do you worry at all about the snap count? Because punting a tight end who might play on less than 40% of the snaps, not great. But it does seem like it's a game environment where they have to go pass save. And if they're going to utilize him on those snaps, that matters more than how much he's playing. Um, no, I'm not. I, I don't care at all about the the snap count. I think the targets per route run tends to be the most predictive stuff with tight ends. Um Okay, stop me from going back to McCall Hardman this week. I gotta get, I gotta get the leverage. It's the only way we get back to even. So I mean, you told me he was Tyreek Hill's direct backup, and Tyreek Hill is still gonna play in this game. So if you believe that, then it, it's a bad play. But I actually don't think McCall Hardman is Tyreek Hill's backup. I think he's a game script dependent player in their offense right now that won't play ninety percent of the snaps unless both Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins get injured. And so if they get into the right game script or they start with a pass-heavy plan, then he'll be more involved than he was during a game where they ran the ball 46 times against the Bills. Now, there is a concern that they could run the ball 46 times again against the Broncos. Right. So 
that's that's the pause there and um and then we'll get sammy back by the time we can actually utilize this play in a great game environment so maybe we save this one up for like weeks 12 through 16 if they get into some shootouts yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the problem is, is I really like the idea of Mahomes leverage this week because I don't think he will be popular in any way, shape or form, actually very similar to Josh Allen. But I don't know if Denver has the tools to push them. Um, OK, our, our, our last game here. I mean, I might just not play anyone from this game. We have this. Well, Jarek McKinnon, right, for the San Francisco 49ers at the New England Patriots, Raheem Mostert's going on the short term IR with this high ankle sprain, but a bunch of the San Francisco 49ers beat reporters are reporting that Jamichael Hasty is actually maybe going to have a, a larger workload in this game. So, are there just are there just no fantasy plays in this game at all? There there are very few. I mean, McKinnon's probably out in the between the matchup and the fact that Hasty couldn't be involved. Jeff Wilson could be back as well. Kittle, I guess, is always kind of matchup proof and in play, um, but I'm not looking heavily at. Um, at him or Debo Samuel. I mean, 5K for Debo Samuel, also a reasonable price. But again, it's just not like a fantasy-friendly environment right now in this matchup against New England. I guess Cam, I still think, is in play. He had 10 carries again last week. He's still de facto goal linebacker for their offense, and he's still like 6.3K. So I do think like naked Cam is probably the only exposure I would end up having to this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't think very highly of the San Francisco offense as a whole. Like maybe maybe Kittle Kittle on FanDuel, I guess, would maybe be someone I would be uh, a little bit interested in. But overall, um, you know, I think that this game is just very low on our priority list. I mean, maybe Demir Bird, right, leads the team in routes. Uh, I don't know. Do you, you have yeah, any interest no, in Demir Bird? Not really. I mean, the prices on like Debo Samuel's 5K is pretty reasonable, but I, I don't think so. Um Probably not a game to look for 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 mining value, and it could definitely be a game that goes ugly. Mine's pretty obvious. It is going to be Seattle at Arizona. Seattle with a team total of 30. Arizona with a team total of 26.5. I think that Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and even Andy Isabella are all very solid plays. I think Chris Carson. I think that uh, Kenyon Drake, to some extent, in, inside of these game stacks, I think they're all pretty solid. Maybe you could even really outfancy yourself with Chase Edmonds as he is playing more of the passing downs than Kenyon Drake is. But yeah, I'm just I'm incredibly high on this game. I think so many points get scored here, Colin. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, and my favorite game would be this game as well. I'm not going to choose that because that would be a little bland. But I, I really like the Kyler single stack, bring it back with both. Lockett and Metcalf. Um, I think going off the board a little bit and game stacking Justin Herbert against the Jacksonville Jaguars would be a pretty interesting from a value perspective. The cost of that stack is going to be a lot cheaper for all of the pieces involved. That'll allow you to pay up for some of the better running backs on the slate today. So um, I don't think you have to game stack that and bring it back necessarily. So I'm fine just running out Herbert with a double stack there as one of the games where I expect all of those individual pieces to be, you know, flirting in that five to 10% range and a, a better return on the value for their salaries. I think that seems about right. So if you had to pick between some of these other games that we think should garner, you know, a fair amount of ownership, Carolina, New Orleans, Green Bay, Houston, Detroit, Atlanta, which one are, are you personally looking to stay away from? So it's it's tough because there are attractive pieces through different games. So I think Michael Thomas is going to come in at a really attractive ownership number this week. And right now we've got Adams like twice as owned as him. And that would be a really attractive piece of the Saints game stack. 
I think that the Houston side of things is going to be pretty low owned in that Packers matchup. I think Adams is going to command some ownership, but um, I don't expect Fuller or Cooks to be overly popular. So um, I do think that it's almost less important as far as choosing the right game is obviously important, but trying to figure out the right side of the game that offers the leverage is one of the other ways that we've seen things go pretty profitably early this season with some of the game stacks that have hit. Yeah, I think uh, I think all of that makes sense. The the one the one that I am going to be avoiding myself, I think, is going to be Green Bay Houston compared to what I expect a lot of my competitors to be doing. Um, everyone, thank you very much for watching and listening to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. If you want more information, please head to DailyRoto.com. You can get yourself an elite subscription and try out all of the tools and projections that we have on the site. For Colin Drew, this is Davis Maddock signing off. Everyone, enjoy your NFL Sunday. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.